the Old Testament lesson for the first Sunday of Advent is found in Jeremiah 33, verses 14 through 16, where it says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made to the house of Israel and the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will cause a righteous branch, a Samach Zadik, to spring up for David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In those days, Judah will be saved, and Jerusalem will dwell securely. And this is the name by which it will be called. The Lord is our righteousness, Adonai Sidkenu. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle lesson for today is found in 1 Thessalonians 3, 9 through 13. What thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel appointed for this, the first Sunday in Advent, is from St. Luke, the 21st chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said, There will be signs in sun and moon and stars, and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity, because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken, and then they'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with power and great glory. Now when these things begin to take place, straighten up and raise your heads, because your redemption is drawing near. And he told them a parable. Look at the fig tree and all the trees. As soon as they come out in leaf, you see for yourselves and know that the summer is already near. So also, when you see these things taking place, you know that the kingdom of God is near. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all has taken place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But watch yourselves, lest your hearts be weighed down in dissipation or with dissipation and drunkenness and cares of this life. And that day come upon you suddenly like a trap. For it will come upon all who dwell on the face of the whole earth. But stay awake at all times, praying that you may have strength to escape all these things that are going to take place and to stand before the Son of Man. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning's message as we begin this sermon series entitled The Colors of Advent and Christmas is from the book of John, the first chapter beginning at verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This is our text. In the name of Jesus, our King, dear fellow citizens in his kingdom, Green is one of the most popular colors of the Advent and Christmas season. We see green in the holly and the mistletoe of the Yuletide season. Most Christmas trees are green. Green Christmas lights adorn the green Christmas trees and sometimes the eave troughs in our home. We find green in our sanctuary. We have green pyramids on the altar, on the pulpit. And I'm wearing a green stole this morning. Our Advent wreath is green. In fact, all the wreaths around the sanctuary are green. You know, it's appropriate that green should be such a prominent color in this time of season. Because green is the color of life. And life is what Advent and Christmas are about. It's during the seasons of Advent and Christmas that we celebrate, that we celebrate the life of Jesus Christ, the eternal Word made flesh. It's a season in which we celebrate the spiritual life that God has given us through the means of grace. And it's also a season in life in which we celebrate the eternal life that is ours through God's Son. Daniel Webster was dining one day with some men in Boston when he found the conversation turning towards Christianity. And Mr. Webster stated that he believed that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, his Savior. In fact, the Savior of the whole world. Mr. Webster, one man inquired, can you understand how Christ could be both God and man at the same time? And Webster replied, no, I cannot. If I could, he would be no greater than I am. I need a Savior who is superhuman. Advent and Christmas provides Christians with the opportunity to ponder the mystery of the Lord's incarnation. St. John writes, and we'll probably hear this text again on Christmas morning at our Christmas morning service, but he writes, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. And the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The eternal Word, God's only begotten Son, who participated in the creation of the world, becomes a zygote, becomes an embryo and then a baby who nurses at the breast of his mom. He is both God, truly God, and truly man at one and the same time. It's an incomprehensible mystery, isn't it, to our limited understanding. But what is no longer a mystery is why God became flesh and blood and made his dwelling among us. For the Bible reveals that God's love for all of human creation 
moved him to send his son Jesus into this world to be our savior. It pained God, if we can speak like that. It pained God when Adam and Eve rebelled against him and he did not want to sentence his special creation to hell and so he became a man. God became a man. Born to a virgin. Yes, another mystifying truth. But nonetheless true. Born to the Virgin Mary so that he might ultimately live that perfect life that we could never live. So that he might suffer and die and endure his father's wrath and anger for our wrongdoing so that we might be reconciled to him. This is the message of Advent and Christmas. And is this a message that's unbelievable? Yes, it is. It is an unbelievable message unless the Holy Spirit enables us to believe it. Is God in the flesh worthy of our adoration and praise? Most definitely, most definitely is. And during the season of Advent and Christmas, we will kneel before the manger of our Lord God in the flesh and we will worship and adore him. And it's those of us who believe this mystery and who have applied it to our own sin-stained lives kneel before the cradle of the baby Jesus. And we sing, What brought thee to the manger, O Christ child sweet and dear? Thy love for me, the stranger. O be thou ever near. O Lord, how great is thy love that reaches down from heaven above. Thy love for us by sin defiled, that made thee God a child. Let me be thine forever, O Christ child, sweet and dear. Uphold me with thy mercy, and be thou ever near. Advent and Christmas give us the opportunity to prepare for and to celebrate the birth of our Lord Emmanuel, who birthed this universe and then who he himself was birthed into this world so that he might ultimately forgive us of all of our sins. Advent and Christmas also gives us the opportunity to celebrate the spiritual life that God has given to us in our baptism and which he continues to sustain in us through his holy word, the Bible, and through the reception of the Lord's Supper. In John chapter 1, verse 4, we read, In him was life, and that life was the light of man. One of the common motifs that we hear throughout the Advent and Christmas season is, is that of darkness and light. The darkness speaks of our spiritual darkness. It speaks of the sin that we inherited from our forefathers. It speaks of the corruption that has affected all of this world. But we also hear of light, don't we? And we hear that Jesus Christ is the light of the world and that he dispels this darkness. And truth be told, we once lived in that spiritual darkness. There was a time when we did not believe in the triune God or know him as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We did not trust in our heart that Jesus' death and resurrection had saved us from the curse of sin and death. But our Lord came to us, didn't he? He came to us in the waters of holy baptism and he opened up our eyes our eyes of faith so that we would see who Jesus is and all that he has done for us. And by God's grace, he's continued to sustain that faith in us 
through his holy word, as he comes to us in his word and he strengthens us in our faith and he directs our eyes to the cross of Christ and to Christ's empty tomb. And it's through that same word that he strengthens us in our faith and, he, and it's from that word that we draw life and strength to live for him day by day. And it's through that word that he ever keeps us green, refreshed and renewed in our faith. Listen to the psalmist when he writes in Psalm 92, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. We remain fresh and green spiritually as the Lord works in our lives. Now, receiving this spiritual life This rebirth, this renewal, this refreshment does not mean that we as Christians live perfect lives. I mean, you know as well as I do that we continue to struggle, don't we? We struggle with our sinful flesh. We struggle with our sinful flesh until the day we die. And in fact, it's during the month of December that we really seem to struggle at times with our flesh, especially with that which we call the green of money or the green-eyed monster. I mean, do you recall... Some of you are probably old enough to remember the comic strip, The Born Loser. Several years ago, there was a Born Loser comic strip in which the Born Loser is watching the television and there's a commercial on the screen. And the voice says, we now pause for a word from our sponsor with tidings of the season. We would like to wish you and yours peaceful, a peaceful and joyous holiday season and remind you that there are 531 hours, 22 minutes, and 14 seconds of shopping until Christmas. As you know, the months of November and December are filled with shopping and spending and shopping and spending. Overall, in 2019, it was reported that Americans spent about $1 trillion for Christmas. The total cost of the festive celebrations per household, including food and drink, was about $1,500 per household. And I've heard that this year it's going to be about the same, with the wealthy being able to spend a little bit more money and those who have less money probably just a little bit less. But we'll easily spend at least a trillion dollars just on Christmas gifts in the fixing, so to speak. December is a month when we might easily fall prey to the hype of gift buying and of gift giving and gift receiving. This spending spree is kicked off by Black Friday and I'm sure some of you and like myself went out to the mall to take care of some needed shopping and get hold of some good deals. And it's further fueled by tomorrow's Cyber Monday so that those of us who don't want to go out shopping in the malls can shop right in our own homes. And this shopping frenzy is fostered throughout the month with, in, with endless incentives to buy and to buy and to buy some more. And often the casualty of this mad dash to, to buy, to buy our Christmas, is the worship. The worship of the Christ child. Who might be relegated to second or third or fourth on our Christmas list. If he's even on the list at all. And this green of money can be kind of like a gangrene 
It has a way of creeping up on us and making the Advent and Christmas season smell a little rotten. It's no wonder Solomon warns and promises that whoever trusts in his riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. If you're not entranced by the green of money this month, then watch out for that green-eyed monster, for he's also on the prowl. This is also a month where that green-eyed monster can, can take control of our heart. The green-eyed monster is jealousy and envy. December is filled with young voices and old voices saying, I want, I want, I want. It's filled with covetousness as we see what other people are getting, and we want that too. We see what other children got from their moms and dads, and we want that too. And what happens when the green-eyed monster takes hold of us is that the joy of worshiping the Christ child can be kind of elbowed out of our Christmas celebrations. Kind of like what people do in a shopping mall when they're elbowing one another and pushing each other out of the way so they can get hold of the gift that they so covet. That can happen to us too. It's a temptation that's ever before us because we live in such a rich society. The green-eyed monster and the green of money are crafty. They're devious, they're seductive. And it's all the more reason for us to move to center stage the manger, the cradle, the eternal Son of God in the flesh, the birth of the eternal Word. And how is this accomplished? Well, it's not by not shopping, per se, because it's wonderful to shop and give gifts to one another, to express the love that we have for one another. But how do we make Christ center staged during this month? Well, might I encourage you some very simple, basic things, like Advent family devotions, like putting up the Advent wreath, making one if you don't have one, but making the Advent wreath and putting it up and lighting the candles at every meal and having little devotions associated with it. By making it a priority to attend Advent services, whether that's on a Sunday morning or and the Wednesday nights as well, not in either or, but a both and. It can be done by erecting that nativity scene and reading about the birth of Jesus Christ. Just yesterday on Facebook, I saw that one of my friends had posted, maybe some of you have seen this too, the recommendation that maybe you read one chapter a day of the Gospel of St. Luke. Because there's 24 chapters in the Gospel of St. Luke, so if you just start on December 1st reading one chapter and then another chapter and another chapter, by December 24th you've read the whole Gospel of Luke, haven't you? And then when you come to worship on Christmas Day, on December 25th, you've, you know the story. The whole story. It's also by filling your home and your car with Christmas music. Sacred Christmas music. You put Jesus Christ center stage during this month by doing something for someone else, selflessly giving of yourself, by maybe adopting a family in need, by serving at a soup kitchen or whatever it might be, by donating an animal to, like a goat to some little child over in another part of the world for whose that would be a major gift. 
It might be an act of kindness for a neighbor or a, or a family member. It might be a random act of kindness that you just do for someone that's out, in, out and about that you see. And we put Jesus center stage during this month. When we organize our Advent and Christmas family and festive meals and parties and celebrations around the Word of God, around gathering for worship, don't allow the preparation of a Christmas dinner to take prior priority over the worship of Jesus or a Christmas party to replace partying with the angels and the shepherds and the wise men and Mary and Joseph on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Instead, let everyone know in advance that you plan to attend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day services and invite them to join you. And you can join their parties later. Yes, Advent and Christmas seasons give us the opportunity focus in on our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a time when we celebrate, when we celebrate the external life that our Lord promises us. Not even the darkness of the grave can extinguish the light of Christ and the life that he gives us, for he is our Lord, isn't he? He is our shepherd. In fact, it says the Lord is our shepherd. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. Through Jesus, you might say we are evergreen. You know, we use the word evergreen as a name for a certain kind of shrub or bush or tree. Evergreen. But evergreen is also what it is. It is evergreen. It's evergreen. This type of tree is a symbol of life, for it never loses its needles or leaves in the winter. Rather, this tree remains green, evergreen, all year long. And the evergreen tree is a good symbol of, of the life that we have and the life that we will have in eternity with our Lord. For people who believe in Jesus Christ, for people like you and me, we who believe in Jesus as our Savior are evergreen. We have God's gift of life now and His promise of life in the hereafter. For Jesus has said, He's promised to you and me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. And so, yes, we are ever green. And the color green reminds us of that fact. And so it's unanimous then. The color green, the color of life, is a fitting color for this season. Because it reminds us it reminds us of the life of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, our Lord Emmanuel. It reminds us of the spiritual life that God gives to us day by day as he works in our life through his word and sacraments. And it is also reminds us of the evergreen life that is ours through our resurrected Lord and Savior. And so, friends, I pray that this Advent and Christmas season might be for you a season of green a season of life. Amen. And now may the peace of God which surpasses all our understanding guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. We continue to